0: what is happening everyone and welcome back to another episode of send it the podcast where we dive into the extraordinary stories of entrepreneurs, athletes, and artists who dared to take the leap. I'm your host, Ola Shaw, and today we have a unique twist as we unravel the unexpected allure behind the pipes of one of Hawaii's most successful plumbing businesses. Joining us is Ray Michaels, the visionary behind Maui Plumbing, who not only took a crappy job and made it sexy, but also revolutionized the industry with innovative technology get ready for insights that transcend boundaries let's go yeah that is right what's up welcome back to another episode of send it the podcast and i just wanted to start by saying thank you so much for listening to us we really appreciate it if you like what we're doing please hit subscribe or follow us on whatever platform that you're listening to us on right now And go over to Instagram and follow us at sendit.hawaii because your support means the world to us. Now, I got to say, I am so excited to have you back in the studio today, Ray. I know we did this back in 2019. Unfortunately, that never got released because I went through some personal things in my life uh, and the podcast took a backseat and then the fire happened and then I lost all of our episodes. I think we had about 30 at the time that I was hopefully planning to re-release at some point. But now it's okay because now I get to have you guys I'll come back and I get to see you face to face and I want to just say it's great to catch up and you know Ray has kind of been like one of my uh, like hidden mentors that I've been able to watch from afar. I've seen how he started his company and then how he grew his company from you know one employee as himself up to like over 50 employees at a time and now You know, you guys get to listen to some of his wisdom on this show today. So anyways, Ray, thanks again for being here, man. And please introduce yourself. How's it going today?
1: Hey, Olam, and thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here, and I was so excited to see that you're doing this podcast again. My name is Ray Michaels. I am the owner, uh, president, you know... Chief Pipe Slayer at Maui Plumbing.
0: Yes, I love that. Chief Pipe Slayer. And I don't know if you guys caught that in the intro, but there was, a, there was all pun intended when I said he took something that was some see as a crappy job and turned it into a sexy job because I really think you have, man. And with that, I want to jump right into this because Maui Plumbing is such a cool company. And I was just curious if you could first share the story behind the inception of Maui Plumbing and then go into what inspired you to start your own plumbing business and how that initial vision evolved over the years.
1: Yeah, you know, that's an interesting story. So as you know, my dad was a plumber. He's since retired and I was working for him and this was around 2009 and kind of really loved my job. Like I loved the craft. I thought it was cool. I used to tell people, man, I get to hang out on Maui and play with water all day. And you know, some of it's not clean, but that's okay. But you know, you you do imbibe this sense of responsibility that you are responsible for the care of a precious resource, right? Especially here on the island. And when I was working for my dad, you know, he's, he's kind of one of those old school guys. And, you know, much respect to him. Everything I say here, you know, there's no denigration to, you know, the way my dad used to do things, which was kind of like an old school way. Everything was written on paper. He wasn't very tech savvy. And at the time, is like smartphones were starting to come out. And I thought, man, it would be really cool if we could incorporate some technology into the way we run our business, right? And I was trying to get my dad to try and start to change that and start to bring on some new technologies. And he was very hesitant and made him uncomfortable. I mean, typical baby boomer, right? And he was like, you know, I think you should really just go start your own thing. And so he gave me his blessing. And then in 2010, you know, I, I was looking at, you know, I want to start my own company and what's that going to look like and what do I call it? And, you know, my wife at the time was like, why don't you just call it Maui Plumbing? You know, seems simple enough. Right. And I'm like, nah, somebody's got to have that name. Right. Seems so simple. And, you know, get on the DCCA's website and look it up. I'm like, wow, nobody has that. So registered the company name and, you know, 2010, beginning of 2010, I was uh, going, okay, well, Dad, hey, you know, beginning of this year, I'm out, and he he goes, hey, I wish you all the best of luck. You know, let me know if you ever need something, and you know, I, I hope you're wildly successful, right? So,
0: dude, that's awesome. Do you think that at that time, do you think what did you think your dad thought? Do you think that he thought? Yeah, this kid, he's going to get into it and he's just going to come back with his tail between his legs. Or did you think that he actually saw it in you?
1: I think it was a little bit of both, right? I think he was hopeful. He was proud, but I think he was sad at the same time. I think he was frustrated with the fact that, you know, I was leaving, but he was also like, you know, you should do what makes you happy, ultimately, right? My dad's that guy. He's one of the most joyful guys you'll ever meet. And so he. He was thinking maybe I would come back. And I think he had that hope in him that I would. But at the end, you know, after a couple of years, he saw that I was gaining traction and he, he was happy for me. He, you know, everybody tells me, you know, he couldn't be prouder, although he, he does come from that, you know, baby boom generation where you don't, men don't talk about their feelings, right? So, you know, I'd always hear from his friends, oh, your dad's super proud of you. And, you know, even just hearing that, that that always gave me more encouragement you know, to keep going forward. Oh,
0: totally. And I can attest to that. Your dad is one of the most joyful guys I've ever met. Now, you know, every entrepreneur faces challenges. Can you tell us about a specific hurdle that you might've encountered while you're building Mau- Maui Plumbing? I mean, you're still building, but what valuable lessons has it taught you about running a successful business? People management,
1: right? I... One of the hardest things, hardest lessons I've had to learn is that people are dynamic, right? You know, in the field, when you're in construction or you're working in the trades, you know, always say, you know, oh, if that pipe doesn't move, you get a bigger wrench. Or if that grounds were real hard, well, you just get a bigger excavator. But people aren't like that, right? You can't just use brute force to get what you need out of people. There's a much softer, gentler, approach that you have to take and I think learning to manage people rather than the trade was the biggest challenge and it's a lifelong process and knowing that you know you're going to make mistakes and you're going to say the wrong thing and that sometimes people are going to leave your company and when they do leave and I've always kind of imbibed the concept that if somebody leaves my company for another competitor that means they just fired me as a boss. Right. So, what did I do wrong and how do I get better? Right. And a lot of that is just learning how to work with people and their different personalities and their different styles and their and communication off off as well. Communicating is seems simpler enough, but we all communicate differently and we all kind of take different concepts on. And one of the things somebody taught me was, Hey, when I tell you think of the ocean, what do you think of? And I'm like, Oh, I think of my friends. I think of the beach. I think of, you know, surfing. and I think of having a good time. He was like, okay. Now for me, what he said was when I think of the ocean, I think of the time that I was caught on a sailboat and we got caught in this storm and I'm scared, right? So immediately my first emotion is scared. So when you say the word ocean, we have different emotional reactions to that, right? And that's why communication is so difficult. And so learning how to communicate with different people has been a challenge as well. And just knowing that people have their own things going on, right? One day might be a good day. And the next day, you know, you might be like, man, what's this guy's problem? Turns out maybe he got in a fight with his spouse or maybe his kid's sick, right? And having more empathy for people. And one of the concepts that I've learned recently is, okay, if I ask you, hey, Can you do this simple math, Ola, while you're swimming in a pool, like five plus five? You're just swimming in a pool. Can you do five plus five, six plus six? I can can pull that. Now, imagine you've got a couple of tiger sharks swimming in that pool with you. Can you still do that math? Probably not. You don't know what kind of sharks are swimming in the pool with people and how many are there. right? So keeping that in mind that we all have personal challenges going on right? and to have empathy for people and... Your responsibility, I think, as as a boss, or like I like to say as a leader, is to help guide. You are their leader, you are their boss, you were their coach, you are their mentor, and sometimes you are their counselor. And you actually have to take all those responsibilities on as an employer if you want to have a good culture.
0: Man, that is such a valuable lesson right there for all of you listeners out there. Empathy, being a good leader, being a good listener, just knowing and adopting that everybody's different. And being able to keep up with the different emotions and just things going through other people's lives that's invaluable lessons right there thank you for that now being a local business in maui how do you, how have you navigated the unique challenges and opportunities of our community here and then how has the island culture and environment influenced your business strategies cuz you know hawaii is very unique it is
1: unique and that's one of the things i really love about it and that we are a small community, you know, I think we have like 150,000 residents, but anywhere between 100 and 200,000 visitors. So it seems real, like much bigger than it actually is. And you have to take that into account as a business is that the degree of separation between people is so small. And, you know, your customers aren't just your customers. They're your neighbors, right? They're your friends. You're going to see them at Costco. You're going to, you know, your kids are going to play sports with their kids, right? You're going to see them everywhere. And you have to treat them, you know, like they are just that, that you they are not just your customers. They are your neighbors. They are your friends. They are often your relatives, right? And, you know, treating everybody with that sense of aloha, right? That you're fair with everybody and we we don't like to say we're in business to make money, right? We make money to stay in business. And one of the concepts that I learned, I was actually working for TS restaurants at Hula Grill as a teenager, right? One of my favorite jobs I ever had because it really taught me a lot about customer service and plus it was I mean how cool is it to work on the beach you know, in Hawaii but they one of the things TS kind of tried to you know, teach its employees is that concept of kina ole, which is that Hawaiian um, concept of flawlessness. So, it's doing the right thing in the right way at the right time in the right place to the right person for the right reason with the right feeling the first time. And that's actually a very difficult thing to try and achieve, but I think it's always that pursuit of excellence, right? So, You know, being in Hawaii and having that concept of Aloha and Kina Ole has certainly shaped the way we do business. Dude, that's so
0: rad. I had no idea you worked at Hula Grill. That's actually... Where I worked also, it's funny that you'll see, like you said, it's not there. The, the degree of separation between people, where they work, where they live. Your employee, you're probably servicing their cousin or their uncle or whatever it might be. So it's so true. And um, yeah, I learned a lot from Hula Grill as well. So that's really cool that you went there just uh, as learning about service, how to treat people. So that's really cool. And that kind of brings me into my next question because building a team, we kind of talked about that with uh, talking about employees, but building a reliable team, it's crucial for any business. So what strategies have you employed to assemble and maintain a skilled and motivated team at Maui Plumbing?
1: You know, when I was first, first couple of years, it was very difficult because I was always looking within the industry to find skilled people, right? That, that, understood the business, you know, to a high degree. And then what I realized was that I needed to kind of widen my optics. And one of my first best hires who's now our vice president, his name is Troy, he was working at our local supplier and you know, I thought, "Man, this guy's great customer service, you know, he knows his stuff, he tries really hard, he puts out effort." And I asked him, I go, hey, you know, what's what's going on? Why, what are you doing working here? You kind of seem a little bit out of a place for a warehouse worker. He's like, oh, well, you know, my wife's from here and I moved back. And, you know, this was a warehouse management job. But I actually have a degree in business management. And I was looking for an office manager at the time. And I was like, well, y- you want a different job? You want to help me build something? And, you know, he took the job and I grossly underpaid him for like the first couple of months. <laughs> but, you know, now he's our he's our vice president. And I think looking outside your industry for talented individuals whether it's you know the girl making the sandwich at the local sandwich shop you know and she's always friendly and she's always nice and and she's always on it and she knows your name and she's she's always saying hey how you doing all good to see you right i'm like that would make a great customer service rep you know or you one of our one of our kind of our star service technicians came from the restaurant industry and he was tending bar you might know him jamie torres and and you know he kind of wanted to change careers after he had a kid and was like you know i need something that's a little bit more lucrative than you know bartending and plumbing looks pretty good so he's been very successful because he understands customer service and he knows how to talk to people and it's it's one of the things that orrin cross the gm of hula grill taught me was that chameleon effect right you can't treat every table like it's the same person right you kind of got to feel them out you know you know the guy who owns the condo up in Kapalua you're not going to really kind of have the same uh attitude as you know the local auntie who you know who's on a tight budget you know they you know different communication styles right different culture and so learning how to kind of talk to everybody, you know, why different people, you know, he learned that by, you know, tending bar and dealing with so many people. And he's been wildly successful as a service plumber because of it. So looking outside your industry, I think is crucial. And then maintaining that team comes down to, you know, investment in that team. And, you know, when people feel like they're invested in, and that's sending them to classes, you know, H- f- hiring a coach or a mentor, you know, to you know, if they're struggling in a certain area, maybe maybe they're struggling, you know, with with learning a you know a software program. We'll send them to a class, pay for that class. And when people feel like they have they're invested in, they feel cared for, and it breeds a sense of loyalty, right? Well, well, this guy, man, he sent me to these classes. He obviously cares about my future, you know, and seeing where people are talented. Go, hey, you know, what? I want. I want to capitalize on that. I have this great course I want to send you. And we often send our guys to training on the mainland. If there's something they're interested, whether it's fire protection, backflow preventers, building maintenance, there's all kinds of programs out there for employees. And I really think it is our responsibility as employers to help lift people up, right? Our goal is to improve everything we come into contact with. And that's the lives of our employees, our customers, and our vendors. So showing that your employees that you do care about their future and you want to improve their lives is key to maintaining, you know, good retention and a good, good company culture.
0: Well, thank you for that. Cause that's a that's really something that I feel like everybody can use is, you know, jumping into those strategies and maintaining skilled and motivated people by, you know, looking outside of your current you know, business or your current skill trade. So that's really cool. Now, I want to go back to something that I talked about earlier in the intro which was technology. I think technology and innovation, they're kind of synonymous with each other. And, you know, in the plumbing industry, I don't think anybody like thinks about plumbing and they think about innovation or technology. So like what can you share that you've used in the past on your innovative approaches or technologies that you've adopted to stay ahead in this market.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you think of plumbing, you you often think of those stereotypes, right? And, you know, some of those are true. And that's one of the things I really didn't like about the industry is we, we do embody a lot of those stereotypes and wanting to change that. And I was doing some research and I found that construction and the trades are the least technology focused industries. I mean, we're below hunting as far as how much technology we actually use on day-to-day. So, what we've done really is one of the first things I did was it was go digital, right? So, no more handwritten invoices and things like that and showing people, you know, their invoice on a tablet and being able to capture signatures and capture work authorization and and capture photos, right? All in like one place and so that the customer can see, you know, the before and after photos, they can see a clear work description you know they can see like yeah they signed for this work and they they did authorize it you know that's been key to you know overall efficiency right because now i'm not doing all this back-end paperwork it's done there on the job you know Invoice written, money captures, photo taken, all in one neat, nice place. And then in construction, you know, we have such a skilled trade deficit in the industry and especially on the island. So learning how to do more with less and how you do that is by incorporating technology. So we took on a project, um, Kenaleo Apartments in Kihei. So it was 186 unit affordable housing development. And really, we didn't have the workforce to complete it. So, but we were very excited because, you know, it's affordable housing, which we desperately need here and it was going to be our biggest project ever and so I looked at what other companies do to kind of industrialize the process. Because I'm like, okay, we have 186 units. There are 13 buildings. There's two different types of building, right? So I'm like, well, if we just do those two types one time, all we have to do is repeat that process over and over again. And so that led me into what we call DFMA, or Design for Manufacturing and Assembly, or Prefabrication and Construction. So it's building your plumbing systems on a computer. So we use a software called Revit, which is mainly used with for um, architects and engineers. But what the system allows you to do is build your system to a high degree of detail using manufacturer's parts. And then what we do with that is that gives us all our fittings, it gives us the complete layout of the system, and it gives us all the pieces of pipe, you know, pre-measured. And so that list, what we do with that is that goes into, we bought a CNC controlled saw. And so what that saw does is we load that list from Revit into this saw and that saw will optimize your material usage. So what I tell this saw is like, hey, you've got 20 foot stick of pipe here. Here Here's your material list. So that, that saw will say, okay, I can get this many cuts out of this pipe, completely optimize it. And all you do is press a button and it positions that pipe to your to your And then you cut it and it prints out a label, tells you what piece it is, it tells you the length, it tells you the diameter, right? And so you're kind of building what I say like Ikea furniture for plumbing. If you have ever put together a piece of furniture, it's like part A goes with stick B, goes with screw C, and they're really Lego blocks, right? So you have the design and layouts done and you have all the pipe pre-cut and what we do is we pre-fit a lot of things in our shop. And so this has been helpful, not in terms of efficiency, but also safety and work training because we can take a guy that maybe knows nothing never seen a tape measure right and because the process is industrialized and you're working in a much safer environment we can teach him those basic core skills in the shop before he gets sent out into the field and our foreman's like this because not only they're getting somebody who's a little bit trained he knows the fittings he knows the pipe he knows how to operate power tools right he's also been part of the process on how to package these systems so once he's on site and has worked in the shop he's got a sense of knowledge that you know will gain efficiencies on the job site so the first couple of months on that project were kind of rough as we were going through the learning curve of prefabrication. But once we got through that, um, we were three buildings ahead of the other sub trades, right? And then we took that process and duplicated it when we did Kia High School, and it actually earned us a quality award from Nordic PCL, the general contractor who built that school, because we were able to use technology like prefabrications and robotic station layout stations to. To install and lay out our plumbing systems.
0: That's so rad! Innovation and technology, right there. I just have a question: Are you guys are you using any sort of AI?
1: No, we're not using any standard AI yet. I've looked into what is called generative design, and generative design is super exciting in in the um, building trade. So, what generative design is is what you can do is you can tell the software, "Hey, I have this piece of land, right?" and these are my building codes these are my like my lot setbacks this is how much parking I need these are how many units I want to build and what it will do is it will generate multiple different concept designs of that building based on your different parameters you set and so you know what that does is it helps to maximize building efficiency and it helps to bring down the design costs because one of the most expensive parts of building are your initial design concepts, right? Oh, well that doesn't work because I need more parking or, you know, that doesn't work because, you know, I need this many units and I need these ADA requirements. So, you know, that's a very expensive part of developing. So, if you can you can take that first step out, right? And now you not only not just have one concept, but you have thirty, you know, or forty that are generated automatically. And one of the coolest things that I've seen coming on the horizon is basically you can you can do this on a tablet. So one of the things I was talking to a gener- generative design expert. Her name is Amy Marks. And when the fire happened, I was really concerned, like everybody was, that we were going to lose, you know, our sense of place, you know, what Lahaina looked like, and I was worried about the length of time it would take to rebuild. So I was like, Amy, can we use AI to try and help us with this? And she's like, absolutely. She's like, there is technology out there now where you could you could have a tablet. You could go up to a lot. Right. And if you've got all those, what we call parameters, those are basically rules, you know, so your lot setbacks, you know, how big your building codes, things like that. And you could go up to that lot and you can put that tablet up to it and you could just basically hit refresh and it will generate different design concepts for you on the spot. Right. So I think they call it augmented reality. Right. And so you could use that and she's just you can, you can incorporate, you know, um, cultural and historical design elements and building codes and whatever th- anything else you need to incorporate. And then what you can basically do is you can generate a kit of parts for that building. And so you can basically be like, well, these are all the walls that you need and you send that off to a lumber yard, right? Like HPM or truss systems. This is the electrical components you need. So you send that off to CED and they'll get you all that package, right? So you basically package everything out, right? These are all the plumbing parts you need for this for this house and it will basically spit out a bill of materials for everything.
0: Wow, and so it's not just for the plumbing services. It's Building for- Building overall,
1: yeah. That's yeah. so
0: cool. And I really hope that you get to jump into that. And it to me, it makes way more sense sense to have somebody I mean I hope your company's on the forefront of helping Lahaina rebuild. You know, I know that you're from here. You care about this place. And so it would it would make so much sense to have your company hopefully be a part of all of the 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 rebuilding if possible. But you know, I want to jump into something else. And we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, talking about employees and and growth and you know, maintaining quality service. Like that's got to be really challenging, especially in your growing years when you were really quickly expanding. So how did you keep that balance between expanding your business and ensuring full quality of your plumbing services. There
1: were some stumbles. I I will admit that, you know, growth is a very difficult thing to manage, but it's exciting, right? And I will say it's a little addicting because it is exciting and everybody's excited about, oh, we got this guy hired on or, oh, we got this new piece of equipment. Oh, we took this new big job, right? And you will stumble through quality, right? And managing that is very difficult because there's a very high demand for what we do you know we we're always trying to meet the demands of our market but learning to say no has been a challenge and what to say no to and knowing that it's important not to sacrifice quality and one of the concepts i learn is stay small be great make money sbm right that sounds, that sounds great, but staying small in our market's not really an option with the demands that we have to meet. And we do feel a sense of responsibility for things like rebuilding Lahaina, which is actually going to take us um, a 50% increase in staff in order to do that. And so learning how to manage that, it's really about knowing who you want to work with, right? And, and helping train your people to be leaders, right? Always trying to bring people up with you. You can't do it by yourself. Your whole team's got to be involved, right? And having a good company culture that wants to improve, right? Wants to improve their lives, wants to do better at their work, wants to be great is really important to maintaining that quality, right? And, and they have a sense of responsibility now because you're always pushing that, no, we want to be great. No, this isn't good enough. You know, this was good this time, but we should do better this time, right? And having what we call kind of after action action you know, meetings where we go over what went good, what didn't go dude, what went good, what didn't, or we call start, stop, continue. Okay, what do we need to start doing? What can we, what do we need to stop doing and what should we continue doing? And going through that, you know, really gives people, if you're going through it with a team and they're coming up with these start, stop, continues, then they feel ultimately like it's their responsibility to do those start, stop, continues because they're the ones who came up with it you're gonna make mistakes, right? You're gonna do things where jobs are gonna go wrong and you're gonna have clients upset, right? And it's important to be honest and tell people, hey, you know, we screwed up. or, you know, what I tell people now is, or what I told people last year is, hey, we took on too much work and we're really struggling. How can you help us out with this, right? And being open and honest with your clients and your vendors and your customers about those struggles, like, hey, we're struggling with quality right now. We know we're working on it. If you could just be a little bit patient with us and help us through it, you know, we're, we promise we're, we're trying to get better, right? Don't try and hide it. Don't try to make excuses for it. Know that it's going to happen. And when it does happen, just, just own it, right?
0: Yeah. And that's kind of my next question because we were talking about you know ensuring the quality of your plumbing service. Now, through that quality of plumbing service, obviously, customer satisfaction is key, especially in service-oriented businesses. So how does your company prioritize the customer-centric approach? What steps are you taking to maintain those relationships? First,
1: it's an employee-centric approach. You cannot expect your employees to treat your customers better than you treat them, right? And it's all about our first customer is the internal one, right? And that's our employees, right? Making sure that they are satisfied, right? In their work and that they are growing in that. When they are happy, they, your customers are happy, right? Because they pass on that satisfaction and that happiness in the work they do and in their interactions with their clients, Right. So a lot of people go, well, you know, the customer's always white, It's customers first. Yeah, that's true to a point. Right. But if you're not taking care of your employees, they're not going to take care of your clients. Right. And that comes first. That's actually a concept I learned from from Disney. Um, Lee Cockrell was the vice president of Disney's. um, What do they call it? It's basically like their customer service, but basically like their customer interaction. Right. And it's about like how they manage their parks. And one of the things they do is one of his, my favorite concepts from him is don't sweat the small stuff and there is no small stuff. And it's like, why in why are Disney parks so clean? And it a lot of it has to do with how far apart they place their trash cans. It's every 12 to 15 steps because when they research it, they found that people generally throw their trash on the ground at about 18 steps if they can't find a trash can. You know.
0: Yeah, that's so cool that you, br- you bring up Disney also because uh, in one of my... Uh, ventures uh we were thinking about how we're going to train our staff and disney has a full training guide mm-hmm. and uh operations optimization um like lessons that you can take and implement in your own businesses have you seen that? i've been through it dude it's crazy i yeah. i started it i haven't finished it yet but it's pretty amazing like yeah
1: yeah, we. I went to one of their seminars at, um, at Koalina, at their hotel in Coalina, and it was a three-day seminar. And what was interesting is each day you would get this book, right? And the book was either like yellow, red, or blue, right? So the header of the book was red. But what was interesting is the whole theme of the room changed every day to match the lesson book, right? So the napkins were red, right? The lighting was a red hue, right? And... Just down to all those little details, you know, really makes up the whole thing, the whole big picture, right? And paying attention to those details is really important because that's where the magic happens. Right? Yeah,
0: it's huge. Do you remember the name of like, the course? Because it's crazy. I don't remember it. I had it on my other computer, and you know, I'd log in from time to time and check out all the different courses. But do you remember the name of it for our listeners? I
1: don't. You know, but Lee Cockrell has a book called Creating Magic. And it's one of the things I actually have my leadership team read, you know, is, you know, the creating magic is what we're trying to do here overall is, you know, people can buy plumbing anywhere, but what what people are really buying when they buy something is they're buying an experience. And so what kind of experience are they having? Are they having that stereotypical experience with a plumber who's a little bit abrasive, you know, kind of shows up dirty? Or are they having an experience where, wow, this guy's got a smile on his face. He, he, you know, he's he's in clean clothes. Not only that, he's got a collared shirt on. And, you know, he's treating my home with care like it's his home. And man, he left my kitchen cleaner than... than he when he came into it and so all those little details are super important so creating magic by lee crockrow i
0: cannot recommend creating enough creating magic by lee crockrow everybody check that book out got some value bombs inside of that thing so i want to talk a little bit i mean we we did talk a little bit about technology and innovation but you know industries evolve and i mean obviously the plumbing industry has evolved for a long time i think you said it back in 2019 there's something about plumbing it's a timeless industry right what do you what do you say about that? I mean, I th- it was something that you tell your employees.
1: Well, I tell them we have the most important job in, in yes. society, right? Yep. Because we, I have this poster, and it's this guy, and he's got a he's got an overalls, and he's got a pipe wrench, and he's standing on top of the world, right? And there's people below him, and it says the plumber protects the health of the nation, right? And I've always thought that was really cool because. It's true, right? You know, plumbers save more lives than the entire medical industry, right? Because we are literally responsible for keeping clean water clean and making dirty water go where it needs to go, either in a septic system or to the sewage treatment plant. And just those two concepts alone are what holds up Civilizations and allow cities and towns and things to exist and what has eradicated diseases, right? I mean the black plague was started because some lady washed her diaper in a well, you know So she was taking basically her diaper and washing it and it was going into the well water And that's how that started, you know, and then it was spread by rats, but really, you know without that man without plumbing without you know having clean water i mean could you imagine just not living without running water in a house for a couple of days yeah that's being able to flush
0: your toilet no (laughs) that's absolutely crazy and it's absolutely true i remember you saying something like that back in 2019 and i remembered it till this day but that's that's exactly what it was and i'm glad that you were able to reiterate that for our listeners because it's true like without plumbing without modern plumbing, I mean, there'd be caca everywhere. (laughs) It'd be terrible. Oh, it'd
1: be terrible, man. Like people always go, oh, it'd be so cool to like living, you know, back in the day in the 1800s early. I'm like, nah, I'm like, I really appreciate, you know, indoor plumbing, man. I really appreciate hot water and, you know, running toilets and things like that. And, you know, it's not a sexy industry. It really isn't. But, having that responsibility or knowing that you are ultimately one of those guardians or one of those gatekeepers, you know, and your work is important, does give people a huge sense of pride.
0: Yeah, totally. So talking about how industries evolve, like 1800s till today, like think about the first plumbing customers. They were just baffled. They're like, whoa, I have a toilet. But Today, those customer, you know, those expectations have grown. So, how has your company adapted to those changes? And you know, we talked a little bit about those technological advancements, using the CNC machines and all that cool stuff. But what are you? What else are you using to stay relevant and competitive? You know,
1: it's responsive service, right? And I think you know because plumbing has become so commonplace, you know, in first world countries that when it doesn't work, people are really you know, off put by it, right? When you come home and you can't flush your toilet or use your kitchen sink, I mean, your whole life is disrupted. And so having that responsive service where you answer the phone and you're sending somebody out as soon as possible that, you know, you really are the kind of like the guy in the cape, right? That comes to save the day when your plumbing's not working or when you don't have hot water. I mean, how inconvenient is it to not have hot water, right? And being able to provide solutions to people, you know, a lot, sometimes, you know, what we do, it's it's not cheap, right? It's, it, it's a highly skilled trade, so it pays well. So therefore, you know, our services are, are not what we call cheap, you know, but, you know, being able to look at an issue and provide multiple solutions to a client so they don't feel like there's only one option, right? You know, being creative with, different things. Like if someone says, hey, you know, my solar's not working, you know, really what we do is we typically replace the whole system, which, which can run up to $15,000, especially if you have a two-story roof and we need to get a lift and we need to get all these safety things. So we're like, well, you know, solar's great, but maybe we put in what's called a heat pump water heater, right? So what that does is it draws in the air from the room and then compresses it and then uses that, and uses that hot air to preheat the water. And it's not as efficient as solar, but it is a close second right? And people are like, and that's usually about a quarter of the cost, right? So not locking people into like, oh, we just got to replace this system. You owe me 15 grand. It's like, no, we could do this, this, or this, the good, better, best approach, right? And knowing that, you know, not every solution, not each client is unique and each situation is unique. And looking at that Instead of like, hey, there's a one size all fit solution. There's usually not, right? Being creative with your solutions is important. That's
0: epic. and I I've always appreciated that. Good, better, best. It gives me the opportunity to you know make a decision for myself instead of being told that there's only one way. And I I really appreciate that. So that's that's cool. Well,
1: you know, it's it's funny because I I always thought, man, you know, you go to the- go to get gas. You have three options.
0: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like,
1: why, why are we pigeonholing people into only one thing when it comes to plumb, plumbing service? If I can go to the gas pump, I'm like, you have good, better, best, right? Well, we should have that kind of everywhere because that way people... It tends to mitigate also buyer's remorse when people get the bill. It's like, well, at least I had the choice and these were my options. That
0: ties back into being a local business because as a local business... You know, again, you might be servicing your neighbor, your cousin, your brother's auntie's cousins, brother's dog. You know, whatever it might be. As a local business, though, community community engagement it's super crucial because you want to be you want to be seen as somebody and a company in the good light of the local community because most of the you know most of the business comes from word of mouth, especially when you're first starting out. So, in what ways does Maui Plumbing contribute to the local community? And how has it? How has the involvement in that impacted your business positively? This is a community service. You being on Send It the podcast, absolutely. We appreciate this. You're literally giving out all of this value to these people that are listening to you right now. But besides that, what are some other things that you've done, and how has it impacted your business? Yeah, you
1: know, we are a part of an organization called the Construction Industry of Maui, and it's just a little nonprofit that's actually under our Chamber of Commerce. But one of the we do two things fairly well. you know. Um, one is we have a scholarship, right? So we're actively involved in raising money for a scholarship to send um, kids from local Maui high schools to college in a field related to construction. So that's architecture, engineering, construction management, and so on. And so this year we raised $70,000. So we'll give out... Probably three scholarships, right, totaling seventy thousand dollars. Last year with sixty. We gave out two thirty thousand dollars scholarships. Our goal overall is to get to a hundred and give out four twenty five thousand dollars scholarships. And so that's been hugely impactful because usually what we'll do is we'll have our benefit in uh, December, our fundraising in December, where we have kind of like this uh, banquet. And we do these auction and we donate auction items. You know, we'll donate plumbing services or we donated a bidet with the install for free. Um, And, you know, we do a lot of, you know, voicing about this. And then, you know, when we give out the scholarships in... March, we often have the kids who got the scholarship awarded the year before come and talk about how it's impacted their lives, right? And one of the recipients from last year was a Lahaina girl. Her name was Yuna Lee. And this year she said, you know, because, you know, her family got laid off during COVID, right? And then they lost their house in the fire, right? And she told us that she goes, you know, I wouldn't be able to stay in college or go to college if it wasn't for this scholarship, right? And just improving that one life, right, is going to make a big impact in the community. The other thing we started this year is, you know, because there's two sides to our business. There's the office side, which is the management, you know, the architecture, the engineering, but there's also the field stuff. As we started a vocational trade program, um, because there's a lack of vocational training in high schools and we wanted to change that and so i talked to a couple of state legislators and they said well if you get a program started and funded and you know it's a good example then we could start funding it here with with you know taxpayer money with state money and so we had a golf tournament where we raised $70,000 and so we're going to be distributing that to a couple of different high schools but a bulk of that money is going to go to Maui High because they have somewhat of a trade program started right so what we'd want to do is expand upon that and start a core class, right? Where it teaches people teaches kids, you know, how to use how to read a tape measure, you know, how to use tools, power tools, hand tools, right? How to build things. And it's amazing how much satisfaction you see in these kids when they've completed a project, right? Like they built like a mini mini home or what do they call those miniature homes? And they built one of those and they designed it and built it from the ground up. And that's super important to our community because there is no skilled labor pool here. We have to create it. And we can't import labor from the mainland because there's no housing to house those people, even if we wanted to. And even if we did, that would exacerbate project costs and make them unaffordable, right? So we have to train our local workforce. And why wouldn't we want to, right? These are great jobs that pay well that you can stay here for. I am tired of hearing about people having to move to the mainland, right? Plumbing has been able to keep me here, right? my whole life and given me a pretty decent lifestyle on Maui, right? And there's not a lot of careers that you can say that, especially since our economy is not very diverse, right? We basically have hospitality and all the services related to hospitality. And so if we can provide, you know, Kids with good training and then set them up for success in this industry. Man, we we made a huge impact in our community.
0: Oh man, that's massive, and I couldn't agree with you more. Getting into the trades, it might not seem like the sexiest thing around, right? Plumbing—you're dealing with you know all all of the dirtiest stuff in the world. You've got you know I know a couple of companies that own Porta Johns that they just pull around. These guys—we're not talking about just you know—they make a couple of bucks. These guys are multimillionaires. You you've got electricians. So, kids, if you're listening to this right now and you you're just thinking about you know all the big glamorous things out there, becoming an actor or a model or an Instagram influencer, if you want to actually start something young that has some substance and you want to grow with it, look into the trades. If it's something that excites you, look into the trades. You know, I was just listening to something earlier. It was uh, Sean Strickland. He's a fighter. But he was talking about, who am I, man? I was a punk kid in high school. I did drugs. I got wasted. I went out and did a bunch of bad stuff. And who am I? I'm up here on this big stage. I make ridiculous amounts of money, but then I have an electrician come into my house to fix a switch. And I'm thinking, and and he's asking me for my autograph. And I'm thinking in my head... Like, why? Not me personally, but Sean Strickland was thinking in his head, why is this guy asking for my, my autograph? I do absolutely nothing. I punch people in the head. <laughs> this guy has an absolute skill and trade, and he's, he's actually contributing to society. And the girl that was interviewing him was like, I know, I just talk for a living. This is wild. But yet that's what is held to such a high standard in our current time is this success of, you know, movie making or Instagram influencing or, you know, whatever else it might be. But the truth of the matter is, is it's these trades that make the world go round. And so that's really exciting. So, yeah, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Big
1: big shout out to the guys, uh, the Porter John guys, man. I really think they are the unsung heroes of the skilled trades. (laughs) But, you know, that's one of the things I tell, you know, a lot of the kids who are looking at a career in the trades is you know just here on Maui you know a lot of our infrastructure you know has reached its useful life expectancy and needs to be upgraded you know we have a housing crisis as well we need to build a ton of housing we've got you know 72% of the existing buildings here are aging and in need of repair right and so There's a lot of issues here and that need to be solved. And what I tell the kids going into a career in the trades is like, hey man, yeah, this is a story and it's a challenge, but you get to be the heroes of this story, right? You get to help solve this problem. And there's a lot of satisfaction that comes with that. You know, I saw this funny meme or whatever earlier, and it's like, what do men really want? And it was like... To drive around the neighborhood and point to places to their kids and say, I built that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so there, there is some satisfaction in that. And, and there is a sense of pride, man. Every time I drive by the new Kia High School, right? I mean, we've been talking about Kia High School since we were in high school. And driving by that and knowing that we took part of that. and you know, our, our workers say the same thing, you know, man, I'm so glad we got to build that high school. I'm so glad we got to build Kenaleo apartments, right? You know, there is a sense of pride knowing that you helped improve your community and the lives of the people that that's live in. That's
0: so cool, man. And that's bringing me to one of our last questions. Cause I want to be respectful of your time. I really appreciate you being here today, but looking ahead, what kind of legacy do you hope to leave with Maui Plumbing and what's your future plans for your business? I'm going to start there and then I'll, um I'm going to move on to another, one more question we after that. We
1: say that we, we are always striving for continual improvement and that's to improve the lives of everybody we interact with or, you know, not just our employees, you know, they are of course, you know, our primary focus, but our customers and then our vendors, right? The people we buy our stuff from, you know, and the interactions with it. And, you know, are we a good company? You know, how, how do we improve our community? It, that's important cuz if you're improving just one person's life right you know the ripple effect of that is huge and so i really want the legacy to be was like you know even if people we taught people a trade and they leave their company and start their own company right that's still a plus you know if we train somebody like an office manager and we train them in you know computer programs and they're really good at that and they go out and they maybe they work for somebody else or or they start their own business man that's still an improvement right we still made an Im- an impact, a positive impact on their life, and thus, you know, their their husband or their wife's life and their kids' lives and the lives of the people that, that they're associated with. So, you know, I really want the legacy to be one of uh, positive improvement that you know, people's lives were overall better off because they had an interaction with the company.
0: That's amazing, man. Now, are there any exciting projects or initiatives on the horizon that you can give us a little sneak peek into? Um,
1: yeah, well, I think we are... We are primarily focused on, you know, temporary housing projects. You know, we're doing Ohana Hope Village with Family Life Center, and that's over by uh, King's Cathedral in Kahului. You know, and a lot of people don't really like the look of it, but, you know, we're building 88 units. It's supposed to house about 140 people, and it's primarily people who were what they call precariously housed. And so those are the people that had like a handshake deal with their friend or their uncle, right? And they're like renting a room and they necessarily didn't have a Lahaina address. So they don't qualify for federal assistance money. Um and they've had over three hundred applicants for that, right? And some people go, Oh, well, I wouldn't live there. It's like, well, that's fair enough, but There's a lot of people who do, right? And so that's a focus. And we're getting a lot of inquiries for those types of what we call temporary housing developments. So... Right now, that's going to be our main focus. And the other kind of our core focus of our business is going to be um, rehabilitation of existing infrastructure. So, a lot of people don't know because it's out of sight of out of mind, but a lot of the underground wastewater infrastructure on the island is failing and it's actually impacting water quality, right? So, when you read these water quality reports and they like to bake, Blame it on cesspools, right? It's really not. What's happening is is the underground piping is starting to fail, and it's basically leaching wastewater into our groundwater. and it's having negative impacts on our ocean quality, right? And you're a water guy, right? I'm a water guy. And that that really breaks my heart. And we want to help solve that problem. And also they always talk about here like, oh, our wastewater treatment plants are over capacity. Well, that's part of the problem is that, you know, when you have piping underground and you get like a king tide, right? That water now comes into that failed piping and then gets sent to the sewage treatment plant. So about 40% of the water we treat is a result of groundwater infiltration into failed piping piping systems, right? And so making sure that we build, you know, temporary, how, or what we call intermediate housing for people that have been impacted by the Lahaina fires, right? Affordable housing projects, as well as, you know, rehabilitating existing underground infrastructure, right? Which is pretty cool because we, we use a technology called Technology called CIPP cured-in-place pipe, so it's kind of like arthroscopic surgery for piping, right? You know, we're like open-heart surgery—you open up the chest cavity and you replace the valves, right? Whereas arthroscopy is you put in a little stent into the heart valve. Well, we do the kind of the same thing with pipeline piping—is we basically put an epoxy liner inside the pipes without having to dig up the ground, because that's the most expensive cost, right? Is the destructive cost of trying to take piping out of the ground and then put it back. So those projects are kind of really near and dear important to us. And we find it super cool because we're basically able to put new pipe in a pipe without having to touch that pipe. Man,
0: that's so rad. And that's, uh, again, that innovation and technology technology. And, you know, just, um, you know, putting all of that to work right there. That's, that's really exciting. Now our podcast here, um, you know, send it is for entrepreneurs, artists, and athletes out there. And, you know, sometimes, you you know, we'll have everybody from as accomplished as you and above, and then we'll have people that are just starting in on their journey. Now for the people that are just starting in on their journey into any one of those three topics, um, what would you tell them? Know your
1: why, right? why are you doing this? It's not about what you do. Like, what we do is plumbing, right? But it's about knowing your why, right? And our why, or the reason why we get up every day and why we work at Maui Plumbing is creating a better vision of our work, its people, and the future, right? So, rupturing industry stereotypes. And and our mission is providing solutions, creating opportunities, and building relationships. You can figure out the what and the how, no problem. That's just systems and processes, right? And so knowing your why and having that clear vision and being our able to articulate that to the people that you work with and don't give up, right? There are going to be hurdles. There are going to be roadblocks. There are going to be times where, man, you just feel like quitting and you feel like going back to work for somebody else. Or you feel like, you know, giving up on whatever that, whether that's athletics, right? Maybe you had a bad game or you had an injury, right? That put you out for six months is don't have a plan B, right? Just don't quit. No matter how hard it is, man. You know, during during COVID, we were in a really bad spot. We, you know, we almost didn't make it through from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty two. But having that tenacity and knowing, you know what, we are gonna make this, we're gonna make it through this, right? We are going to get to the other side and we're gonna be better for it. You know, smooth seas don't make good sailors. And so just having that grit and that tenacity to keep going through the bad parts cuz there's gonna be some bad parts and i think you know my military friends have that that saying embrace the suck right you know yeah it sucks right now this sucks man i'm not making any money i keep i keep losing money or i'm keep getting injured this sucks yeah well embrace it you know jocko willink has that saying good right? you got injured Good. You have time to, you know, rehabilitate and get better. Oh, well, you lost money on that job. Good. Now, next job, you will know better and you know how to do the job better and you won't lose money. Right. So just don't quit, man don't give up. I
0: love it, man. And Ray, I just want to say thank you so much again for coming into to the podcast studio here in the podcast garage. This has been epic. Just dropping all those insightful value bombs for all the listeners out here today. And yeah, man, it's been great to see you. Great to catch up. And, and thank you. Thank you for being here, man.
1: Oh, thanks for having this podcast, man. I hope you know, I know it inspires me listening to these people's stories. So uh, I hope that, you know, this one inspires some other people to go out there and get after it and send it.
0: And there you have it, folks. The untold evolution of Maui plumbing straight from the visionary himself, Ray Michaels. If you are as captivated by this behind the scenes peak as I was, don't keep it to yourself. Share it. Spread the word. Because if you're an entrepreneur, athlete, artist, or just someone with a passion for extraordinary, remember to send it every day. Subscribe rate the show, and leave a review because the journey is far from over. Stay tuned for more incredible stories on Send It The Podcast where we break boundaries and redefine what it means to truly live life to the fullest. Until next time, Send